So I'll level with you. The last five days, or six days, I guess, I've been on my annual retreat on Shaw Island. And then this weekend, I'm on vacation because my sister is graduating from the University of Washington, and I wanted to be here with her and the family. So I did not write a well-structured, well-outlined homily. Today, we're going to have more of a conversation, and that's okay. So, Genesis. The way you read this, when we read it, we often have a, a voice in our head. The way you read this matters. So, when God responds to Adam, Adam says, I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. God asks him a question. He asks, who told you that you were naked? Now, in your head, you can read that with two voices. You can read it with the angry voice, which is, who told you that you were naked? Or you can read it with the sad, disappointed voice. Who told you that you were naked? The way you read that passage matters a lot. Because the way you read that passage indicates whether you think God is a condemning, angry God or not. Now, John Paul II read this passage of Genesis not as God punishing and condemning the serpent and Adam and Eve, if you read the rest of the passage in the Bible, but actually as God describing the effects of the sin. Not that God is the cause of these curses, but that he is simply describing what's going on. And on that reading, God, when confronted with Adam's sin, isn't angry. He isn't cursing. He is describing. He is sad. He's saying, Oh, I tried to protect you from this, and yet you did it anyway, and this is, this is what's going to happen. Not because I want it to happen, but because this is how sin affects us. Now, on that reading, when Adam says, I heard you in the garden, but I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid you. So I hid from myself, from you. On that reading, he didn't hide from God because he knew God would be angry. He hid from God because somehow Adam is now convinced that God is an angry God. That Adam is convinced that because he sinned, God is somehow going to look upon him with hatred and condemnation. But there's nothing in this passage to suggest that that's how God is looking upon Adam. Metaphysically, we can't assign emotions to God. God is unchanging, which means he can't be angry and then happy. Right? He is perfectly and completely loving forever and for always. Right? That's what a perfect God is. He's unchanging. He's perfectly loving forever and for always. And so in this passage, God is also perfectly loving forever and for always. And so the fact that Adam has in his head that God is angry and condemning is also a result of Adam's sin. It is only because Adam has sinned that he thinks of God in this way. God has not changed. God is still his creator. God is still the loving creator who created the universe, who out of that love created human beings. God still looks upon Adam with that great love. But it's Adam's sin that has caused the division. It's not God that's caused the division. It's Adam's sin that has caused the division. This is important because it shows us one of the effects of sin. One of the effects of sin is to separate us, to create division between us and God, and to create division between us and the source of love. 
Sin convinces us that we cannot be loved anymore. Sin convinces us that we are not worthy of love, that somehow God is going to condemn us and not look upon us with love. Now that brings us to the gospel. Because Jesus talks about blaspheming against the Holy Spirit being the unforgivable sin. Why is that an unforgivable sin? And how could a loving God have an unforgivable sin? The answer is because the forgiveness of sins comes from the Holy Spirit. And so if the Holy Spirit is operating, if the Holy Spirit is working as it was through Jesus, through his preaching and through his healing, and then you say, whatever's going on there with the Holy Spirit is evil, how can the Holy Spirit forgive your sins? You have separated yourself from the only source of forgiveness. We have separated ourselves from the only God who loves us, the only God who can forgive us. If we blaspheme against the Holy Spirit and say, this thing, this good thing over here, it's actually evil, it's actually from Satan, we have closed ourselves off to the love of God. We have done what Adam did, which was through our sin, through our closing off to God, we have cut ourselves off from the source of love. And we have believed that the source of love and forgiveness is instead a source of condemnation, is instead a source of hatred. How horrible. Because all God wants to do is love us. All God wants to do is forgive us. And yet, when we close ourselves off to that, how can he do so? We've closed our hearts to him. This is very, very present when it comes to the faith. So, I walk around wearing my Roman collar all the time. Well, not all the time, but almost all of the time. And when I do so, sometimes, a lot of times, people look at me funny. Sometimes it's because they've never seen a priest in a collar, right? That's something I'm trying to change. But, in addition to that, it's because they often look on priests as sources of judgment, as sources of condemnation, as somebody who just wants to tell them how horrible they are. Now, there have been sins in the priesthood, right? There are absolutely priests who have lived up to that. But how sad, because these people have cut themselves off from somebody who wants to be the source of love in their life, who wants to be an influence of forgiveness, who wants to bring them to Jesus Christ. Similarly with the church. Of course the church has sinned. We are made up of human people. We have sins, and we have to be very clear about those sins. But we're to a place in society today where people will look at those sins and say, that's the rule. The church is only sinful. The church is only hateful. The church only wants to condemn me. And that's so sad when that happens. Because where else are you going to find forgiveness? Where else are you going to find love? Where else are you going to find Jesus in the Eucharist, in the sacraments, in all those places that God wants to touch their lives? When people say the church is just full of hateful, bitter people, where else are they going to find forgiveness? They've cut themselves off from that source of God's love, and it's sad. It's sad, and it should be sad for all of us. It should weigh heavy on our hearts that anybody would ever look on the church that way. And this goes not just for the church today, but the church in history. There are a lot of people out there who will say, religion is only a source of strife and conflict. It's only ever brought bad things to society. 
Well, one, that's historically untrue. Okay, learn Christian history. But two, how sad. Because Christianity has always been a civilizing and, I guess, loving influence in society. Right? The Romans had a horrible system of slavery. Horrible system of slavery. Most of their society was built on slavery. But the Christians at the time, they began to slowly eradicate slavery. Not because they had political power. They didn't. They were killed by the emperor for 300 years. But because they began to accept slaves into their midst as equals. Because they began to buy certain slaves out of their contracts. Because they began to show love to a lower class of people. Right? We forget, slavery didn't exist in Europe until they discovered Africa again, right? And that was right about the time of the Protestant Revolution, so there were other things going on too, right? But we got rid of slavery in Europe for like a thousand years, and it was amazing. In addition to that, Christianity was always a push against the secular influence. The secular arm of the world always wanted to kill people. The death penalty was a big thing. Now people will say, oh, the Inquisition killed people. Over the course of hundreds of years, the Inquisition maybe killed 100 people, according to the historical record. Because the church was always a source of justice and peace, where the civil arm was doing witch hunts, the church said, we actually have to investigate. We will never condemn an innocent person. We will always, always, always make sure that the person is given a court process. We forget these things. And because we forget these things, people cut themselves off from the church. They don't allow the Holy Spirit to be part of their lives, to forgive them, to be that source of Jesus' love. So, what are we supposed to do with all of this? The first, and the phrase that I use is kind of a sports analogy, we have to play a perfect game, right? The church has sinned. We have been judgmental. We have cut people off. We have not been a source of love. It has given people... What I believe is an excuse to cut themselves off. I don't think it's based in reality, but they'll take that one sin and they'll expand it into the rule. And in order to overcome that, we have to play a perfect game, right? There's no room for us to be judgmental or sinful or hateful or bitter. We have to get that completely out of our midst because if people are looking at the church only as our sins, the only way we can recover that is by being an absolute radical witness of love in every aspect of our life at every moment, without exception. Unfortunately, we're human. We do sin. And it's unfortunate that we have the great burden of the time upon us, where we have to be absolutely perfect to overcome these societal influences. But it's where we are, and we have to do it. We have to play a perfect game. If there's a sin that you're compromising with, that you're like, it's fine, it's one, it's little, I don't have to worry about it. Stop compromising with that sin. Take it to confession, work with the priest, try to get it out of your life. Because we have to be perfect. We have to be perfect. The second thing that we have to do is we have to reach out to people. We have to reach out to people who might not have that source of forgiveness in their life. And to tell them, Jesus Christ exists. He wants to be part of your life. He wants to love you and forgive you. There is a source of forgiveness. This God that you think wants to condemn you isn't the God we believe in. Instead, we believe in a God who is infinite and perfect love, who didn't even condemn Adam. He simply described to Adam the results of Adam's sin. And then we have had to spend all of human history trying to overcome those results and return to the love of God through Christ, through the cross, through the sacraments. We have to reach out to people and let them know 
We love you. We want to bring you to Jesus, and Jesus wants to love you for the rest of your life. The Holy Spirit is the source of forgiveness. He is the source of love. We have to be conduits to the Holy Spirit. We have to bring the Holy Spirit into the world. We have to apologize for our sins, but also help people understand we are not our sins. In fact, there is something much greater here. And thank God that he is loving, that he doesn't condemn us, that the only thing he ever wants to do is to show us forgiveness.